Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to HuffPost's brand new weekly podcast, Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Presented by me, Brogan Driscoll. And me, Rachel Moss. This podcast is a frank, honest conversation about women's bodies, health and private lives. We cover underreported issues and tackle the topics you may even be too squeamish to talk to your mates about. This week, we'll be talking about body image during lockdown. Food and fitness have become such big parts of our lives right now. We're talking about them more, planning them more, and really, they're two of the only things we can control at the moment. So we'll be asking how that has changed the way we feel about our bodies. And later, we'll be hearing from mental health and body image campaigner Natasha Devon to talk about all that and more. If you want to join the conversation, we've got our very own hashtag, Don't worry, it's not the full name of the podcast because that would be way too long. It is A-I-M-Y-U for Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Um, And join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. So body image is a huge topic to tackle for our very first podcast, uh, but we wanted to get into it because it seems to have taken up so much of our lives at the moment. Just, you know, anecdotally talking to friends, there have been people saying things like, oh God, I don't want to put on weight during lockdown, or I feel really shit about the way I look, and it's because my routine's changed or my habits have changed. And then also there's a whole other realm going on online at the moment. We've seen a load of memes about um, the quarantine 15, which if you haven't seen it, is just a really gross joke, to be honest, about putting on weight during lockdown. It's really shaming. And then there are, you know, even the funnier memes, like I saw one that had Barbie on one side and Wolverine on the other. And it was like, this is me pre and after lockdown. And like on the surface, they're like a little bit funny, but actually... It's quite shamey and I do think it impacts like the way we feel about our bodies and the pressure that we feel to look a certain way. What do you think, Brogan? Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, definitely. One of the first things my one of my mates said to me, kind of to your point, was, oh no, is everyone going to put on loads of weight while we're in lockdown? And it's just such a weird kind of, there's so much more to be worried about right now than like things like that. And I think when close friends or like online or in kind of WhatsApp groups, people are worrying about this kind of stuff. It's really, it's really impacts people. And you don't know who's on the receiving end and how people feel about their own bodies. It could be really triggering for some people. Um, and I think as well, kind of from a fitness point of view, obviously people are kind of pivoting from gym memberships or uh, various things and trying to find new ways to kind of work out, especially with um, being less able to go outside the house. But it just feels like every time I go on Instagram, there's another kind of fitness instructor going live with a live workout. And that in itself kind of puts quite a lot of pressure if you're feeling like this morning I'd kind of a plan to get up and do some exercise, but I just felt really tired. And then, you know, seeing that there are loads of, you know, 
you know that there are loads of other people who are working out in the morning kind of makes you feel a bit bad so it's just so kind of in your face at the moment Mm -hmm. it feeds into this whole like pressure to be productive during lockdown I think as well like you see people joking like god I thought this was going to be the time I like wrote my first novel or whatever and it's like exercise has just become an extension of that it's sort of if you're not signing up every day to do these things and you're failing somehow when actually at the moment as you say there's so much to worry about and for some of us like I know I've had days when I'm like actually getting out of bed and logging on to my computer is quite an achievement so it's like we shouldn't you know be worried about all this fitness stuff and yet here we are like it is obviously impacting so many people so I feel like there's so much to talk about and I think it was a great idea to do our launch podcast on this so well done Rach oh thanks (laughs) yeah hopefully and as well like I think one of the things that I want to say like straight out the gate is that it's not all doom and gloom like obviously there are pressures that um, a lot of people are feeling during this time. But there's also, like, so much freedom as well. Like, I was telling Brogan yesterday about, like, my mum hasn't dyed her hair for maybe the first time in about 20 years. And she's just, like, embracing the grey. She's, like, having an experiment, seeing what she feels like. And I just love that. And I think, like, why not? Like, so if we tackle it the right way, this could actually be a really great time to try things out, not give a shit about what we look like, because we're only seeing each other on video calls. They're, like, blurry AF anyway, so who cares? And, um, yeah, I mean, personally, this is the first day I've worn a bra for about five weeks. So, woohoo! <laughs> Making an effort for the first podcast. <laughs> I have been wearing a bra. I don't know. I have seen people tweeting about the fact that they feel like free because they're not wearing bras. But um, but anyway, now that we've established who's wearing bras and not, should we, should we move on? <laughs> let's, let's move on and let's bring in uh, Natasha. So we're here with Natasha Devon today. Uh, Natasha, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're really, really glad to have you on the podcast. I know that you've done so much work in the past around mental health and body image, particularly speaking to younger women about the way they feel about their bodies and why they feel certain ways about their bodies. Uh, why why is this whole realm like so important to you why do you think it's important to talk about and why did you get into it the reason that it's such a big deal particularly now at this point in history is something that you actually touched on in your introduction where you said it's the one thing that you can control or at least we're told that we control I think actually the extent to which we are able to moderate our size and shape is exaggerated by the fitness and fashion and beauty industries because it's um advantageous to them to do that but however we we have this feeling that we can't control it so during times of uh, increased stress anxiety even trauma a lot of that energy turns inwards and we start to focus on our bodies because we feel that that gives us a sense of control during times when we might not feel we have control in other areas In a way, that's logical, but unfortunately, that's also a huge part of the pathology of eating disorders. You know, it's it's well established that people who have anorexia in particular have quite often experienced bullying or, or trauma or large amounts of stress in their life. And that energy turns inwards and becomes negative Uh, body image or very controlling behaviors around food. And and that's why particularly for women, although I should say not exclusively for women, body image and mental health are really closely correlated. If you went to your doctor and you were going to be diagnosed with depression, anxiety, um, addiction, 
any of the the most common mental health issues, then low body image and low self-esteem are two of the the things that your doctor would be looking for in order to to diagnose you. So that's that's why it matters in a, in a nutshell. And of course, like we're not just talking about at one end of the scale eating disorders and mental health problems, super super serious. Um, but then also people who perhaps haven't really realised that they're impacted by body image concerns might be having them for the first time in lockdown or maybe it's just a slight discontent with how you look uh, what have you seen have you heard of women having those kind of experiences in lockdown more than usual would you say yes I think the part of the problem is that when it comes to eating disorders and body dysmorphia we're all on a scale of that to a lesser or greater extent so it can be really difficult to recognize when you've gone past a tipping point and I remember actually the first time this occurred to me I, I went to see do you know Susie Orbach who wrote Fat as a Feminist Issue yeah and she's one of my heroes I have never seen such a tiny person physically take up so much space like she just yeah. has this presence and this way of saying things that you go yes um, and she was speaking at um at an event I was at and she said you know I, I first started practicing as a psychotherapist 30 years ago and if somebody had come into my office and said I'm cutting out an entire food group in an effort to lose weight I would diagnose that person or would have diagnosed that person with a very serious eating disorder. Now I see that advocated as a lifestyle choice in women's magazines. So those goalposts have moved. You would no longer receive that diagnosis now because what is socially acceptable is becoming more and more extreme. So I think that that's important to bear in mind. But I do also see, like just like you said in the introduction, a lot of pressure on particularly women at this time to emerge phoenix-like from the ashes of <laughs> lockdown, completely physically transformed. And, I, you know, you're both journalists, so you will have seen this. Because I'm on various websites as a freelance journalist, you get sent the press releases. And as soon as we went into lockdown, they were on it, weren't they? Oh, With God, all yeah. of these wow. things to... Yeah. So many from so many like PTs and, you know, um, gyms being like, this is the time to be the best you. And it's it's a hard one because as someone receiving those, I feel like I feel for gyms and PTs right now because obviously business is down, especially if you're someone who owns your own business and you work in the fitness industry. Like, of course, you're going to try and capitalize on the situation in any way you can, because at the moment your income is down. And like I do appreciate that's probably part of it. But at the same time, like, I'm never going to be my best me during lockdown because if you haven't noticed, there's like a pandemic happening outside. So it's, it just seems really, um, I don't know, it doesn't sit, doesn't sit well. No, particularly for me, the narrative that doesn't sit well with me that seems just really regressive is this thing of every calorie you consume, you have to compensate for in lockdown. And that's first of all it's just scientifically not true even if you just sat on your ass all day you your body would still require a significant number of calories just to function and survive and keep your heart beating and your immune system tip top which is obviously really important right now but also I thought we'd gone past that this like this idea that we have to apologize for what we consume I thought we were done with that apparently not it's everywhere yeah, I was just about to ask about that with regression. Rachel and I have been chatting a lot about how it feels like 
we've really gone back in time. Like we were kind of big fans and of kind of the body positivity movement and felt that in a way, you know, we've moved beyond that kind of stuff. But then you have a programme the restaurant that burns off calories, which went out like last week or a couple of weeks ago, which was just awful. I mean, I didn't watch it because I knew better than to watch it, but there was such a backlash. Um, but if anyone doesn't know about it, it's a programme where there was a restaurant in on one side where um, diners were invited to kind of come and eat and enjoy themselves and eat as much and drink whatever they wanted. And then in this kind of secret side room, there were a bunch of fitness enthusiasts they were described in the trailer um who were kind of on treadmills and rowing machines and all sorts and their kind of task was to burn off every calorie that was eaten within the restaurant and it just felt like it was a program from another time like it felt like it was a program that you would have had 10 years ago 15 years ago in the kind of supersize versus super skinny kind of era you know and I felt that I was so surprised to see it. Natasha, were you kind of surprised to see that or was it kind of, as you say, regression? It felt like um, you were kind of aware of the fact that we were regressing. Were you, what do you think about the programme? The thing that was most disappointing about that programme from my perspective was that they had a GP presenting it, co-presenting it, mm. which gave it an a, a legitimacy that it mm. shouldn't have had. But it does speak to, I think, this wider trend of saying health and beauty in the same breath and this idea that you can visually assess how healthy someone is, which is nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. But it's something that as a body positivity campaigner, I get asked all the time. I get asked about promoting obesity and if there are certain body shapes that shouldn't be celebrated or, or represented because they are, in inverted commas, unhealthy. And what people who ask those kinds of questions don't understand is that all the evidence shows that if you like your body and respect your body, you will naturally make healthier choices. You will feel less self-conscious about exercising. You will feel more empowered to listen to what your body wants and eat in response to those physical hunger cues. That loving your body is actually part of the, the health conversation. And all bodies are different. You know, I, I subscribe to the health at any size um, kind of philosophy, which says that health is a lifestyle. It's not a weight. It's not a size. It's not a look. And I get so frustrated. I, re I remember a couple of years ago, I was invited to go and uh, be part of a think tank for the NHS. And they were saying, how can we get the population to lose weight? And for me, that was the wrong question. If we've got an issue with the population being sedentary and unable to eat healthily, the questions we should be asking is how can we give people access to those healthy lifestyle choices, not how can we get them to lose weight, no matter how they do it. This kind of diet culture that we're all talking about, it's almost like being being thin is the goal. And we thought we'd pass that. But sadly, especially during lockdown, some of the stuff that's coming out, it's just it's reminding me of like the special K diet days, when like the aim was to deny yourself things rather than nurture yourself, especially nurturing your mental health. But we know um, that this period is affecting some of our listeners. And we've actually got some testimonials from a few people who told us how lockdown is impacting their body image. So I think now might be a good time to listen to one of those actually. Hello, I'm Kali. I'm 
almost 35. I live with my partner here in France and since lockdown started, I've definitely been uh, noticing the weight creep on the scales, which has not done much for my confidence in my body. Um, and I'm at the point where I'm actively avoiding needing to put on jeans or anything that shows me just how much um, my body has changed since being in isolation. I think the most depressing part of it is I've been trying really hard to get moving every day, to do a workout every morning, and yet the scales are still going in the wrong direction and I'm looking and feeling really bad about myself. So that was one of our listeners called Carly. Thank you so much to her for sending that in. Natasha, hearing that, were you surprised to hear some of the things that she was saying? So she said that, in her words, the scales are going the wrong way. And I think what's so interesting about that is that we've got this idea still of, of what is right and what is wrong when it comes to weight. What were your thoughts hearing that? Well, I, for me, it was symptomatic of something that women tend to imbibe very early on in life, which is that we need to be the most attractive we could ever possibly be at about the age of 21 and then just grip onto that for dear life <laughs> and try and retain that image. And obviously bodies change. They change in response to your environment, your health, your hormones, your metabolism, health issues, injury, childbirth. You know, there's so much that causes your body to change and fluctuate. And it will always find its own level. And part of trusting your body, I think, is understanding that, okay, you know, my circumstances have changed. Maybe I have gained a few pounds, but I will lose them again when things go back to normal. A lot of people have been taught, I think, to mistrust the, their body's hunger signals. Um, the other thing that really spoke to me about Carly's testimonial was what she said about exercise. And so often you know, we, we're taught to think of exercise as a punishment for eating. One, one of the things I've found really helpful, I, I do yoga and I know that yoga isn't for everyone, but something that I would recommend to everyone is before a yoga session, you're told to set your intention for the session. So you have to think about what you want out of it. And what I always want out of it is uh, I'm somebody who's very in my head. So I get, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I get very caught up in my thoughts. And yeah. then um, it, sometimes it feels like my head and my body are two separate entities and my body might as well be full of potpourri. <laughs> it's not connected. And when I exercise, it's kind of reconnecting my brain with my body. And the other thing that I aim to do through exercise is to create endorphins, which are just magic for your mental health. They restore your chemical balance if you have had a period of anxiety or stress. So my intention is always to connect to my body and create endorphins. If that exercise happens to have an impact on the way that my body looks, that's neither good nor bad. It's neutral. It's a side effect. That's not why I'm doing it. It's really interesting that you say that because it's kind of something that I feel personally. I feel like I know better, even though I kind of know better and as an adult have taught myself to know better. There's like decades of diet culture and the way that my mum used to openly speak about her own body, you know, around me and still does really, um, that I just can't really seem to shift. What you're talking about there actually is 
the difference between conscious logic and unconscious programming. Some of the things we learn unconsciously, I think sometimes we confuse that with our gut instinct because it feels like it comes from nowhere, but it's not. It's things you've been taught by your environment. So the way it works is around 90% of your total capacity for thought is unconscious and therefore invisible to you. And your unconscious brain learns through repetition, whether that's words, images, or experiences. So let's say you're walking down a street and you pass a bus stop with a diet advert on it and then a row of magazines and you see a billboard with um, a very conventionally attractive woman on it. And then you pass two people discussing how they're going to go on a diet and then maybe you pass a gym and your unconscious brain is is drinking in from that this idea that you're not good enough and that you need to be changed need to change in order to be acceptable now consciously logically you know that that's not true but you've got 90% of your capacity for thought which has learned through repetition that that's how the world works so sometimes you feel that conflict and one of the things that i recommend is to try and get as much repetition questioning that narrative. So one of the things that I uh, teach young people to do is every time they're exposed to advertising to automatically ask questions like, do I agree with this? And what's the agenda here? So that's what becomes the unconscious habit. And you can also use positive affirmations. If you try and tune into what your inner voice is telling you, uh, things like self-limitation, oh, this is just the way I am and the world can never change. A lot of people have an inner voice saying that. But you can choose to challenge that with another self-affirmation that you've chosen. And eventually that becomes the unconscious habit if you remember to do it each time. The key with positive affirmations is to use language that you already use when you're talking to yourself. If you constantly find yourself saying, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, it's far more effective to say, I am not ugly than it is to say, I'm beautiful. One of the other things that we have spoken about a lot when planning this podcast is privilege, especially right now. We know that the world, you know, there's there's a lot of crazy things going on outside our front doors, a lot of scary things going on. And you can feel a bit silly to say that you're worried about your looks. But have you got any advice or any thoughts for women who perhaps, you know, are having these feelings, but also then are on top of those feelings having guilt because they feel invalid yeah, it's a really common thing to feel like we don't deserve to have our feelings validated. And I mean, first of all, it's really important to be aware of your privilege. If you have the the luxury to be able to, for example, work from home and feel relatively safe at the moment and et cetera, et cetera, you know, not be a key worker, all of these things give you a level of privilege. And if you have an awareness of that, then you're a good person. But you also sometimes need to put that to one side and address what's going on with you. In my book, A Beginner's Guide to Being Mental, it was illustrated by Ruby, etc. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's um, a cartoonist that draws cartoons about mental health and they're hilarious. And um, in it, she's drawn this thing called the imagined hierarchy of human suffering. (laughs) And it's basically everybody on each level is going, I don't deserve to feel this way. And I think it's Simon Amstel who says, you know, if you had one broken leg and your next door neighbor had two broken legs, you'd still have one broken leg, (laughs) you know, and that, and that leg needs fixing. And 
And more to the point, if you focus on fixing that leg, you can then maybe help your neighbor with their two broken legs, but you can't help them when you've got one broken leg. So um, yeah, it's put, put those feelings to, to one side when addressing yourself, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to play you another one of our testimonials now. So lockdown may be making some people feel self-conscious. It may be making some people feel free and really body positive. Or for some people, they're just a bit confused and a bit in the middle. So we've got a testimonial here from a listener called Anna, uh, who touches on that. My name is Anna and I'm a student. I live in Leeds with my housemate. I definitely think since being locked down, my relationship, my body image it's kind of up and down and it's a bit weird at the moment because obviously we don't really have any reason to get dressed or put makeup on and they're usually the things that kind of make me feel good about myself and uh, remind me like how I like to look and how I like to do my makeup and things. I think not having that makes me feel kind of unsure of what I like to see when I look in the mirror. I also think not getting out as much and not getting as many steps as I would usually get makes me feel quite lethargic and definitely conscious of weight that I might be putting on. So I know Anna touched on weight again there at the end, which seems to be such a theme at the moment. But one of the things that really stood out for me as well that she said was just this uncertainty around none of us are getting dressed up or wearing makeup or, well, we might be, but not to the same way that we would have before lockdown. You know, our daily routines have changed so much. And it's so interesting how that like feeds into your identity. Yes. So uh, my very good friend and fellow author, Sheru Izadi, talks about this a lot. So she um, had a compulsive eating disorder and she had this very binary idea in her head that she was only allowed to treat her body kindly when she looked a certain way. So the thing that she says that always stays with me is that she had all these really expensive creams and body lotions that just expired because she thought, I'm not going to apply these until I'm thin. I don't deserve them until I'm thin. And the thing that allowed her to have a healthy relationship with food and incidentally to lose weight, although that's kind of a, a byproduct, was to start living her life as though she had attained her goal weight already. So she started saying yes to social invitations. She started working out she, for, you know, for pleasure. She started um, taking care of her appearance, using those body lotions, putting on a bit of makeup. Those were forms of self-care. And I think what a lot of people have done in lockdown is they've gone oh, well, no one can see me and, and also I don't feel great about myself. So I'm just not going to do any of those things. But certainly for me, you know, I really like the act of putting on makeup and it's not really for anyone else. I enjoy it. It's self-care, it's soothing, it's relaxing and it's also creative. So I've continued that habit because I deserve to. Something that I'm noticing people saying a lot on Twitter is how they're feeling a greater sense of freedom within lockdown. Um, we've got, there are people who have kind of dyed their hair crazy colours because they're at home or who have shaven their hair um, because they kind of always wanted to do it and now feels like quite a good time to kind of experiment. Um, so I feel like there are some positives um, about that and I'd be really interested to kind of talk about how maybe people can kind of get on board with that 
if there are positive spaces for people to be sharing how they're feeling. There's a hashtag called My Quarantine Body on Instagram, which is um, body positive space that I've noticed, which I quite like. This is a good time to do some introspection because it's such a, a personal thing, what you do and do not choose to do with your body. And you're, you're really getting into the nuance of it now, which is great because so often when I do uh, interviews with more kind of mainstream media, you get those questions like, well, so where is the line? If, you know, can people get a boob job? Can people wear makeup? You know, do, should that we all just wear a Hessian sack and live <laughs> live in a hut? And um, you, you go, well, you can't apply these, these blanket rules. Um, it, it's about why we do something, the extent to which we do something and the extent to which we're dependent on it psychologically. And that's a very private conversation that requires a little bit of navel gazing but I know a lot of people you know they are quite restricted in what they're able to wear and how they're able to express themselves and the fact that they are experimenting in quarantine is a really positive thing because if we are going to make changes to our bodies that's where it should come from creativity and self-expression not obligation to be a certain way what I would say in, in terms of talking about it particularly online is you know who you follow is really important going back to what we were saying earlier about the unconscious brain learning through repetition on average um, people check their phone about 84 times a day so if you're going to talk about what your brain's learning through repetition your online community your online environment is super super important Mm, so I'd really encourage people to make sure that their online wallpaper is positive and inspiring and diverse yeah some of my favorite people that I follow are um body posi panda you know probably our most famous body positive exports in the UK Um, I love an account called style me sunday uh, which is is run by Natalie Lee, um, who talks really positively about body image. Um, I love uh, Jamie Windust, who is a non-binary campaigner and is a perfect example of somebody who uses fashion and beauty for self-expression, not out of apology. So I, I hope that lockdown will herald quite a kind of seismic shift in our society. Uh, I hope so too. Um, but yeah, definitely need need to clear out and start following some more positive more positive accounts so thanks for those recommendations earlier as well um to kind of round things off natasha we have a question that we ask all of our guests who come onto the podcast of course we're called am i making you uncomfortable and so will you tell us what is it in life that makes you uncomfortable small talk (laughs) my my job my job involves going all around the world to events and schools and colleges and universities and so often I find myself in a situation where I have to walk into a room of people that I've never met before and just strike up a conversation I'm so bad at that too oh it you know most things if you practice them that's what confidence is it's just practicing them until they aren't weird anymore Mm -hmm. but with that it just never gets less awkward I find no and if you're on the receiving end you don't, you 100% know what people are doing when someone comes up to you and they say hi my name's Brogan and then you're just like you're trying to network right now like you know yeah. straight away I to be honest when if I ever go to something like that where there's a networking element I just hang out by the food and just eat the food so I'm like <laughs> if I'm mouthful I can't network with anyone or I'm I do go for a lot of loo breaks you know when you're at an event like that and there's just a quiet bit then I'll be like oh need to go to the loo again even though I don't actually need to go to the loo I just go and stand in there and I'm like it's like 
Bridget Jones. Yes. Do you know where the toilets are? <laughs> oh, that impression was uncanny. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she's done that one before that's all we've got time for this week thank you so much to Natasha Devon for joining us it was such an insightful conversation we've got lots to think about oh you're really welcome thank you for having me I'm Brogan Driscoll and you can follow me at Brogan underscore Driscoll and I'm Rachel Moss and you'll find me at Rachel Moss underscore catch up with us next week for more chat about women's bodies health and private lives This podcast is produced by Crystal Genesis and our sound engineer is Nag Karinde. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And the hashtag is A-I-M-Y-U. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.